Welcome back to Barely Serious. This is episode 73. I'm sitting here with a very funny fucking guy. We're in, uh, what is this, Pan Pacific Bar? Correct. With Alex Hooper. Yeah, it, hi everybody. How's it going, man? It's great. Thanks for coming to my home park. Yeah, we're next to the Grove. If anyone doesn't know where that is in Los Angeles, and it's just this giant, beautiful outdoor play world. There's a ton of people. Dude, I was expecting, I thought, I thought for some reason, I thought you were in like West Hollywood. I mean, uh, this is a- almost West Hollywood. I live in West Hollywood. We're about probably, a, you know, we're right on the border kind of right here. This is a little mid-city-ish. But, yeah, not far. But, yeah, I mean, this park gets packed, especially since COVID hit, just because everything's closed, so people come out here to just get their outside time. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting I was expecting to go, like, further towards, like, the store. I don't actually – I mean, the store could be that way. I actually have no idea yeah, where it's the right fuck a, I Yeah, am. you were pointed the right direction, actually. It's about uh, it's about a seven-minute drive that way. Yeah. Really? Yeah, not far at all. It's, it's so, like, anytime I come, I come up to the – I take, like, the 405 to the 5 to the, the 605 to the fucking 101 <laughs> to get yeah. to the – just to get to the comedy <laughs> store. And so, like, this time I went, like, 405 to the 110 to the whatever the hell connected me to here. And so I was like, I must not be anywhere near the comedy store. No, you're actually really close to it right now. Yeah, I mean, I can walk there from my house, uh, so which is, and it only takes me about, yeah, about seven minutes to drive here, so. It's cool. Yeah, not far at all. The comedy store is actually where we fucking met for the first time. Is it? It was. It was, dude, it was like, it was a couple years ago, or almost a couple years ago, and it had been like, we had never, like, we had talked online a couple times, but then, like, but I wasn't sure, like, if we had ever saw each other, if you had knew, like, who I was. And we were just, like, we bumped. We were, like, we were watching someone set in the main room. And I was, like, leaving. And you were standing in, like, the hallway. And I was, like, what up, Alex? And you're, like, what up, Galen? I was, like, oh, shit. I was, like, what the fuck? This guy knows everyone. <laughs> I, like, try, I try you, to you know, know people's names as much yeah, as I was, can. A lot of people don't try, you know. They'll just be, like, ah, oh, like, whatever. But it was, it was cool. You were just, I was, like, oh, shit. Like, that's fucking dope. I just think it's important to feel seen. Like, no matter whether you really know a person or not, if someone says what up to you, like, give them a moment and give Give them your attention for just whatever two seconds and just make them at least feel like they were seen and heard. You know, that's what anybody wants in this world. That's fucking crazy. How long have you been doing comedy? 11 and a half years. That's crazy. Yeah, March 9th, 2009 was my my comedy birthday. how, How quick does it feel, though? Um... Yeah, I mean, it's funny when I think about like uh, like shows that I was doing like two or three years in. Like, I'll suddenly like remember some like random place that I went to, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that VFW hall in Burbank." <laughs> you know, I remember that gig. That feels like a million years ago. And other times, it just feels like I, I mean, I remember my very first set. I remember everything about it. I could do like that whole six minutes practically. Are you serious? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, yeah. I mean, I just I, I studied it so much for those two weeks before I went up and. And, um, yeah, sometimes it feels like a, a, a super long time and other times it feels like a blip, but no matter what, like even still like 11 years, like a lot of people are like, Oh, that's, you know, a lot of veterans will be like, you're a baby. And yeah. then like open micers are like, Whoa, 11 years. That's right. Crazy. Right. But to me, I feel like I'm going to have a 40, 40, 50, 45 year career. So I'm only 25% of the way there. Yeah. Know? That's fucking, that's nuts. Where was your first time? And is the place still there? Uh, it's tech. It is still there. The establishment. They don't do comedy there anymore. Right. It was when I did it. It was called. It was called the Aura Nightclub, um, and it, they would do comedy night at the Aura on Fridays, and it's in Studio City off Ventura Boulevard. It then became the Spotlight Comedy Club for a brief minute, and then it now it's just I think it's a nightclub called Rain. I think, huh. yeah, it's been uh, through a few iterations, and now I'm sure it's nothing because what is a nightclub anymore? I don't think those <laughs> exist. You've been in LA, like, so you just started, and you've been in LA the whole time. You've done other 
Have you yeah, like, no, lived I, other I places? Moved, so when I, I went to, I'm from Baltimore. Went to school in Pittsburgh, and I start. I went to school for theater, and I I got I joined Screen Actors Guild while I was living in Pittsburgh because oh, they, yeah. they had a film boom, and I did a couple like small roles in movies, and then so I moved out here to be an actor, and five months after I moved out here, I started doing stand up. A friend was I was bored, and a friend was like, "Dude, you, why don't you do comedy?" And I was like, "I don't know. I just I don't even know how." He's like, "Dude, I'll show. You. I, I know how to like do a bring like." It was a bringer show. I didn't okay. know. I didn't even know what that was. But he's like, I can get you booked on a lineup in two weeks. And then I was like, You can? He's like, You know what? I just texted the guy. You're on. And I was like, Oh. He's like, Yeah. <laughs> now you don't have an excuse. And then I was just like, Okay. So I have two weeks to put together six minutes. And. Here we go. <laughs> How did that show go? It was great. I mean, I w- there was probably 50 people in the audience. Everyone, they, the the hosts announced that it was my first time. So okay. I think people were being a pity. little bit more generous yeah. and a little bit more lenient. Um, but also, I had good presence on stage because I'd been an actor for a while. So I knew how to be on stage. I just didn't know necessarily how to do stand-up. So I, I remember I tried to pull the mic out, and it didn't budge right away. So I was like, okay, the mic's just going to stay in the stand, and I'm just going to use my hands and <laughs> talk like this and stay here. And I remember talking a million miles per hour, uh, barely any breathing room between punchlines right. or anything, just like, say it, go, say it, go. But I did do really well for a first time, and then... I bombed my dick off the next like seven or eight times <laughs> because I had this unbridled confidence and I thought I knew what I was doing. You know? Fuck. Do you have a Do you have a, a tape? Because eleven years. Do you have a tape of it? It's on YouTube. It, I the whole. It's on YouTube. I, I can't contact the guy to take it down because I don't know who he is anymore. <laughs> to, like, and the, the thing is, is like a lot of people are like, dude, you got to get that shit off of there. Like, get all your early stuff out. And I was like, look, I don't. If you look up something and it says it's 2009, 2010 and you want to judge me based on that that's your prerogative like that's I'm, actually kind of badass I, yeah i'm okay with, i'm okay with like, you can go anyone can go and watch the very first time i ever did stand up right now if they want to that's fucking and, cool yeah and i i'm 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 proud of it i'm happy with it there's other sets of, that are not good that probably shouldn't be up there but i just don't i just you know what's the point of taking down at this point what's somebody really going to do <laughs> right yeah you know one thing that you are really good at though Roast battle. Oh well, thank you very much. That's that, fucking. That that became a weird little niche for me, uh, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, you're you're ranked fifth, and you're thirteen and six. How'd you how'd you get into that? Are there still there's still rankings? Wait a minute. No, I think I gotta... it's pre-COVID rankings. Okay, I don't I, think I don't I think they I don't think they updated it with the. I thought I got I thought I got kicked off the rankings because I didn't battle for I was dormant for like over a year. No, you're still. I checked. Like at 4 p.m., I checked. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I mean, the roast battle was, I mean, it was just this weird, became this weird home for me where, like, it was something I never wanted to do, and then... Uh, some a friend asked me to do one, and we had such like an electrifying time up there. The whole place was chanting; they were banging on the ceiling. And we it was supposed to be two rounds. We went to a third round overtime, and everyone was just going so crazy. And immediately when I was done, I was like, "Fuck, I am never doing that again." And Moses, Brian Moses, the ref, you know the host and referee, walks up and he goes, "Hooper." We need you again, like right now. I, I got someone that wants to battle you in three weeks. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, you're, it's done. You're doing it. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, okay. 
and then I just fell into it, man. And I just really liked the process of like writing these jokes and a different style of comedy and being in this. I mean, did you ever did you ever go like back in the early days of it? Like, no, not in the early days. It was. I mean, it was straight Thunderdome in there. It was chaos. It was packed to the gills every week. Everyone was there because they they were watching these you know mostly open micers just rip each other apart. Right. And pros would show up just to watch us do it. And the energy in there was just so palpable and insane you could feel it running through you like I'd never you can make somebody laugh during a stand up set and it feels great you can even make somebody fall out of their chair once in a while you're never gonna make a hundred people start banging on the wall and stomping their feet and chanting shit at a stand up show and the more I did it the more I kind of discovered my own style with it and really used it to kind of grow who I was as a performer and it started getting me attention at the comedy store so I was like well I'm not gonna now I'm getting regular sets because of Roast Battle. Right. So there's no reason to stop now. And eventually, I was like number one in L.A. for a, over a year. But the problem is like defending, like when you're first place all the time, it's not fun anymore. Like when you're in Mario Kart and you're in first place, all you get is banana peels. And you're like, all right, all right. You want to yeah. chase. Right. You don't want to defend. And so I started like kind of not losing on purpose, but I started just doing these extravagant characters that, were made me, <laughs> that made me so vulnerable that it was easy for me to lose. But I started having a lot more fun doing it. It was more right. fun for me to lose than it was for me to win. You know? That dude, I'm I'm 0-2. Okay. And so, but the two that went to um, uh, like a audience vote twice. And okay, like, so that's good. It, it should have been a tie, but you know. But it was. Uh, I went up against you know Steve Lardner, right? Yeah. Uh, and Anthony Davis. Okay. And so both those dudes are above five hundred. And so I was like, dude, I gotta, I gotta do against people that are, are that are good. You know, I'd rather lose to someone that's like good than like get some like cherry picking ass win against dude, somebody. That, I would tell people that all the time. I'm so glad you went in with that mentality because people are like, I need someone who has an, an easy win. I yeah, was like, fuck fucking no. why? Right. What's the point? Like, you're already telling me you're setting yourself up to not be successful because even if you win, it's not going to feel good because it was an easy win. Right. Like, do you want to beat the worst team or do you want to lose to the best team? It's um so like a good example of that is they we were the second battle the first time or the second time I did it we were the second battle the first battle went up and the dude destroyed the guy it wasn't even close it just destroyed him and the crowd had a lot more fun with us like going back and forth like trading blows than they did for the one dude just destroying the guy and it's, of course it's a the thing that a lot of people don't realize when they ask like people about it is it's a show like it's like yes. it's people are like people get like really competitive and it's like it's not about like us it's really about the people that paid to fucking be there it's a it's just a show well that's why like you know when I started doing these extravagant costumes and characters and stuff like that that I really became known for people would be like why are you doing this I'm like hi this is called a comedy show we're entertaining people uh-huh. if I'm wearing a tail and a unitard and speaking in some like fancy ass voice it's going to be more fun than watching another guy in a flannel shirt, like you said, going up there and just telling rape jokes again. (laughs) Like, I'm doing it to be different. I'm doing it to grow, and I'm taking fucking risks. And those risks really started paying off for me and have led to so many of the accolades that I've gotten in comedy all came because basically I got so good at roast battle that I became bored with myself and had to reinvent uh, this new side of me, this persona that really merged kind of my festival loving world my music festival world and my comedy world and after that it was like i really felt unstoppable do you feel like you're like being challenged and doing roast battle all the time do you feel like it hindered your writing towards your actual act 
No, I think it made it better, actually. Because a lot of people ask me that. They're like, they're like, you know, I don't want to write jokes for one thing about one person. I'm never going to use them again. Right. What it did for me is it made me super punchy with my material. Like, I didn't ever want to go more than one sentence without them laughing again. I wanted to cut all the fat out of my jokes. I didn't want any, like, extraneous setup. You know, I just wanted to, here's the line, punchline. Here's another premise, punchline. And find, and it made me take bits that were longer and just... Shit, like shut them down into nothing, you know. Until mm-hmm. basically, I just had. I was like, "Look, this was five minutes before. Now it's ninety seconds, mm-hmm. and it, that ninety seconds is all I need to get across, to get the point across." So I actually think it made me a better writer. That's crazy. So when you when did you like decide that you were going to do AGT the first time? They so I had already done um, roast battle season two, um, and I had just uh, and and they came to roast battle, and they were looking for someone to roast the judges, and I was like. Guys, you're watching this show right now, right? right? What do you think is right about this for America's Got Talent? Like, that's right. a children's show. And they were like, well, we think it would work, and do you want to do it or not? And I was like, look, I want to do it, but let me show you how I want to do it. And so then I showed them that character um, the and, and with my with the, with the tail and, like, t- speaking on everything in a very high-pitched voice. So that, that character in the costume you've had, you had before AGT. I did it in Roast Battle Season 2. And I had just done it. Um, I, literally how that character came to be is I was uh, I was on acid at a music <laughs> festival. And I had a battle in two weeks against my friend Pat Barker, who was it was a title match. It was a, this was I was defending my title. And Pat Barker was convinced. He was like rising through the ranks. He was convinced he was going to slay me. And I was out at the music festival tripping. And I was like, God, wouldn't it be so funny if I wore this on stage? And my friend was just <laughs> like, why wouldn't you? And I was like. I guess I can, right? And he's like, yeah, you totally can. And then I thought about it, and I, I just I gathered up the strength to wear this outrageous costume on stage that I'd never worn before. Uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> we have a friend visiting us here in the park. And so then he, uh, and literally two months later, I was on Comedy Central with that same character. So it was like that quick. And I was like, whoa, if I just like take risks and believe in myself, like, yeah, I could fall flat on my ass or amazing things could happen right, like that. Right, right. So they, I showed them that character and just saw them. And I just basically was like, look, if you want this to be on America's Got Talent, this needs to be super weird and really silly. And people need to understand that it's a joke. It cannot just be me, white guy, making fun of these billionaires you know right so to me i'm like well now it's satire i'm like a court jester up there and that's how that's how that whole thing happened and i just you know and now my my run on that show has just been storied and weird and it's somehow (laughs) continued and they brought me back and you know i i'm the only contestant ever to do a couple things one to get a yes from simon and no from everyone else um that happened on my first audition and now i'm the only contestant to ever have been booed off the show to come back and make the live shows so you got like booed off like or you, i mean you really got booed off but like yeah. do, do you consider it bombing or do you just consider it part of the act it was bombing in really? my in my opinion it was so in the moment i thought it was the worst performance of my entire life i thought i was completely bombing um but that's because it was so loud in there and i was on stage for so long that it was supposed to be i was supposed to be on stage for two minutes i was on stage for seven minutes because the audience was so loud and screaming at me so much that i literally couldn't get through my act 
it. Um, and they were, and Simon wouldn't hit his buzzer, so I couldn't leave the stage right. either because I hadn't right. been buzzed all the way off. So it was such a bizarre experience. And then when it aired, I realized I didn't actually bomb. I stood up to the adversity that was facing me, and I stared in their faces, and I never broke. And I just like was just smiling and waving my little tail and just prancing around up there and just you know basically owning the stage so much more than I ever thought I was in the moment because dude you don't that feeling of 3,000 people screaming at you <laughs> is the worst I mean you just I was slightly prepared for it but not for how aggressive it was Right. I mean, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Thank you. Yeah, I, mean, I thought it was fucking hilarious. I mean, yeah, for comedians, they were like, every, any comedian watching that go, oh, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. But regular crowd, a lot of regular audiences are just like, this guy sucks, dude. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> dude, it was something someone, uh, do you know French accent? Yeah. Yeah, so he was telling me about how he, um, he uh, when he did AGT, that it was like, he like watched it back and it was like broken up. So like, so oh, yeah. like it was like some of the, like them buzzing and like the reactions for them weren't actually for like his set. He said they like re is that they edit, they can edit however they want. And so it's something where when you go in there as a comedian, you really have to be careful of what you give them and what you're willing to say for me, since I was roasting, I didn't really care. Like I'm not burning any material. Right. My whole thing was just like, as long as I don't break character, even if it goes terribly and they're like, well, look at this dumb idiot. Look what this guy <laughs> did. Cause they have these compilations of like fails and stuff like right. that. I was like, even if I make it in that, I'll just be like, well, I was just doing a character. I was trying to fail on purpose you right. know whatever it was um so they do break up the set um and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not like i really didn't like what they did with my set in my, my first audition back in 2020 um they just they eliminated all of my sofia vergara jokes and there's this really weird cut in there where you can tell that clearly i was roasting her and then right. they just took it all out <laughs> and it's very obvious as, i mean especially to me but i had so many people ask like what, what, what was that sofia thing dude and i was like yeah so it was obvious to right, everybody right but yeah that's one of the things about going on that show is like it is not your time like to just do what you want to do you do what they want you to do and you have to be kind of willing to play their game as much as they right. want you to and that's why like i you know it's not for everybody i'm amazed i kind of found my own little like a hack to get on the show and do what I want to do for it, but I understand why people are like, I never would go on that show because as a, as a stand up, I would never go on that show. Really? I mean, you were the how how late were you the last comedian this time? Um, I was in the quarterfinals. I was in the, the top twenty five people. When did so, the when did the next the second to last comedian when did he get eliminated? Uh, so there were two there were three comedians total that were in the quarterfinals. They got eliminated one the week before me and one like two weeks before that. Okay. So technically we all made it kind of to the like the same place. I would just happen to be the last one standing because I was the last week of the live shows. Sure. Man, that's who did it, have they done? Who already won? Or yeah, the winner was announced uh, a week ago, less than a week ago. Oh, that's crazy. And yeah, it was it was a spoken word uh, guy, the first one they've ever had do spoken word like and a, like poetry. Yeah. Oh and shit! He kills it. He was he was a great dude. Uh, we got along really well on like backstage and stuff like that while we were hanging out. I really like this dude, and I'm really happy that something different and original won. And he just has so much passion. He's a really beautiful person. How much of the how much of the show was just waiting around? 
<laughs> I mean, six fucking months, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, there was, like, so I, I auditioned March 14th, right, the, with no audience, because obviously COVID was going to, quarantine started the very next day. Um, and for six months, it was just back and forth with producers uh, and the team at AGT of, like, we don't know what we're going to do. Um, okay, here's the game plan right now. And then the next second email, scratch that. We eliminated, that's not going to work. So here's what we're going to do now. And it was just all this back and forth of just, like, okay, we're we're probably going to have an audience by the time we shoot you. Okay, no, we're not. And <laughs> every day was just another plan. And so it was so much like back and forth of like, keep writing jokes. You got to get this approved. You got to get this approved. We got to get you ready for this. But literally, I mean, it all came down to like the last few days of before I shot of like putting everything together for that final set. So, I mean, it's a lot. Um, luckily, when you're there, like, I think I was maybe... I think they needed me for like six hours that day of, of shooting, which isn't too not, that's bad. Not that bad. Yeah, it really wasn't that bad. But you know, it's it's fun because then only at least with the other contestants and shit. Right. A lot of times I'm just you just you're on something like that. You feel so alone. You're just like backstage. You're looking at a group of child dancers <laughs> and some guy like swallowing a sword, and you're like, I don't know who to fuck talk to over here. <laughs> you know. But at least then when we're all like in the live shows, there's a camaraderie to it. You know. How did the uh, so the idea with the your last act with the book and all that shit. Like, how long did, like, when did you have that idea? And, like, how long did that take to come to fruition? So, originally, um, there was a there was a lot of talk that none of us are going to come back and we're all going to shoot from home. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And they were like, you might have to do a Zoom with the judges. And I was like, that's going to be awful for everybody. <laughs> like, I'm in my apartment looking at the, the Heidi Klum on a computer screen going, hey, Heidi, your, your kids are dumb, whatever, you know. <laughs> and, like, it's, everyone's going to hate me. And so they were like, well, what if we shot something at home? And I was like, okay. So I came up with all these different scenarios, and one of them was the book of me. Like, what if I was in bed just reading a bedtime story to everybody? And they were really into that idea. And so when it came time that we were going to actually shoot on a stage again and, like, and be at Universal, I was like, well, what if we still did this idea and we just presented it in a whole another way? Like, maybe I'm not in bed. Maybe I'm on the stage. Like, And we started talking more and more about how it would work. And then, then I thought about how the, all these drawings would come together. And um, luckily, my friend Eddie Malden, who's a – he doesn't do stand-up anymore. He's a cartoonist and showrunner and stuff. He, uh, he was more than happy to do those drawings for me and got him hired by the show to do them. And he just – knocked it out of the park dude he's uh, i mean those those drawings just they were so funny and to me i was like how could anyone not realize this is all one giant joke if you're looking at these cartoons right, as well? And right. they're all smiling, they're all happy. That was something Eddie and I talked about. Is like they always the cartoons can't be sad. They have to be super happy, chipper, like, you know, good mood. Like, even though Howie Mandel is a turtle on fire, he's gotta be smiling, <laughs> you know? So it was there was so many elements to bring that together. But here's what I'll say, like to any performer who's listening or anyone who's just wants to do anything is like if you get an opportunity to go on a show like that or you have a something just a major moment in your life that you have some control over go fucking big like no one every comedian that goes on that show they go on there and they do their stand-up act and they do their 90 seconds or two minutes and they do it and I was like no I need to do something that is so memorable and go larger than life in every way I want to wear the most ridiculous costume I want to have a whole set design I want to have like music behind. I, I want everything to come together and show that I'm just so much thinking a lot bigger than just beyond the jokes you know oh, man that's wild do you think would you ever like do it again 
If they asked me, I probably would. I don't. I think my time on that show is done. I think after this run, I don't think they're going to bring me back sure. because, of, because I did make it so far. Um, you know, part of me wants to say no because it's so much work and you don't get paid. Right. Um, and but that level of exposure, as much as I hate that word for LA comedy, that level of exposure is. Uh, immeasurable you know I've, I it turned me into a headliner when I got booed off the stage so now right. that I've gone on and succeeded I don't know what it's going to bring me in the future but I just know there will be work that stems from this for years to come right so you know just for the sheer fact that of how big it is I mean dude even my first audition still gets thousands of views per day really it's, you know at this point it's two and a half years later and still thousands of people watch that for the first time every day and now there's more of them for them to find. And then they watch my other clips and then they go, oh, well, here he is doing stand up. Oh, now let's watch this. Uh, what kind of messages do you get? Because I see uh, you post sometimes. I'm sure there's more of you getting like hate messages and you always respond to like fucking hugs and kisses, bro. I do. It's more fun that way. They want me anytime I get a negative message of just like you, you think you're so fucking funny, don't you? You fucking loser, whatever it may Fuck. be. All they want me to do is fight with them. That's right. what those people want. That's what they know. They know they're trying to poke me, and they want me to poke them back. But instead, I go the opposite way, and I and. I give them love. I'm like, hey, what's going on in your life? Do you want to talk about something? Why are you messaging a stranger on the internet instead of hugging <laughs> your family? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, those are those are maybe one out of every 25 messages I get. Most of them are super nice. Right. Most of them are just like, dude, I like, I'm, I'm 15 years old. I was watching this show with my parents and they were making me and everything sucks. And then all of a sudden you come on there and I was just like, who the hell's this guy? And like, you know, I get so many messages from teenagers especially that are like, bro, these people don't understand you yet. Don't worry. You got a generation of kids that are behind you that we're going to watch everything you do. And so it's really inspiring that in that way of just like, knowing that so many fans I have are young kids. And that happened when I did Roast Battle, too, is Moses told me that. He's like, you don't have you have any idea, but, like, high schoolers across the country are talking about you and emulating you. And I was like, oh, I guess I, I don't know that. You're right. He's like, trust me, they are. And with America's Got Talent, I can see it now because I can they, they people are very cool about sending me messages that are very, you know, positive. That is cool. Do you ever think about uh, how someone might buy a ticket to your show one day that isn't even born yet? <laughs> I mean, I've thought, I haven't necessarily thought about ones that have, aren't born yet. I mean, that's definitely going to happen. But I definitely think about kids right now that are like eight, nine years old that are watching me and then they go to YouTube when, when their parents aren't around and they watch more <laughs> stuff. And I know, I mean, I know I have that those young fans. One woman sent me a message that said her nine-year-old started crying when I got kicked off the show. Shit. Like, and she had to console him and call him, calm him down. And she sent me that message, and I was so touched by it that I actually sent, I was like, what's your son's name? And I sent them, like, a little personal video, like, yeah. through Instagram. Um, and then she just sent me a picture of her son's face, and he's just, like, lit up, like, the happiest person. And, I'm, and for me, it was, like, one of those things where it's, like, I thought about that, like, 
any person that sends me a message, I always try to respond because if you took the time out of your day to message me or do fan art or anything, send me a, a, a video message, anything, I want you to feel seen. Like we talked about in the yeah, beginning of this, yeah, and yeah. I want, I would think about like if I was 12 years old and I reached out to a person that I saw on TV that I thought was like, whoa, this person, they're never going to see this in a million years, but I'm going to message them anyway. Well, I do see it. And how cool does that feel to get that message back from the person? And I think about them as like at, at 12, 13 years old, getting that message and what it must do for them. And it makes me happy to do it, you know? I, I did an Instagram live with a 16-year-old kid because he asked me to. And really? he was like, he was like, my friends all love you and they, they think it'd be so cool. And I was like, bro, I'll go on for, for like 45 minutes. Let's do it. I'm not, <laughs> doing, I'm not doing shit right now. And you know what? Then like seven of his friends started following me or whatever because they had this personal connection. And that's how you build a fan base that trusts you. You know, you got to cultivate a community of people that are going to follow you no matter what you do that are going to let you fail and be a jackass if you want to be. And I think that's important. So I try to be as, you know, I love my fan. I love having fans. Having yeah. fans is crazy. That's fucking nuts that I get to say that, you know? Right. And it took me a long time before I could say that. And now that I can, I don't want to do anything to, like, lose the, lose their trust. So I just try to be as honest as possible with them. That's crazy. You were saying, what was, uh, you were telling me a little bit that you got recognized the other day by a kid? Yeah, I mean, when I, in 2018, I was still working at Universal Studios, um, where I've worked since I moved here, and I was I was a ticket seller, so, like, I would sit in those booths outside the main gates, and I would sell tickets all day, and in 2018, when I did the show the first time, three to five times a day minimum, somebody comes up to my window like, holy shit, dude, what? I don't. What are you doing here? I, I watch you. On, what are you doing? I watch you on TV. It's like, well, I'm not on TV right now, so <laughs> here we go. Like you know, and people. It was it was so insane because I was getting recognized so many times in a day. This year's a lot more chill because people aren't out as much, and also I'm wearing a mask everywhere I go, so people aren't really sure if it's me or not. But every once in a while, like when I am like mask off, like the other day I was in this park and it happened. This kid freaked out and just ran around in circles, just so excited. <laughs> And then it happened, uh, I was in the ocean last week, and these three, like, 12-year-old girls were like, excuse me, you're on America's Got Talent, right? And I was just like, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. And they were just like, oh, my God, it is, it is, it is. <laughs> and then they go running, and they freak out, and it's it's super fun for me to, like, see that people get, get that excited about it, you know? That's, that's fucking dope. Dude, anytime I get recognized back in OC, I'm never doing anything fucking cool ever. <laughs> Like, You're just like, well, I'm just hanging my socks on a clothesline. Yeah, and- yeah I've never done do that. <laughs> they, two times ago, uh, I was at Target and I was buying underwear, and I'm a size small. I'm not that big, and so but on the package of boxers it says S slash C H for child. <laughs> and so I was like, yo, yo, dude, I listen to the podcast. I was like, oh, and I tried to, I like slid them behind my back, you know. I was like, <laughs> I'm never doing anything cool, man. Are you buying child underwear? There, <laughs> yeah. uh, Who's that for? I don't <laughs> think I should keep listening to your podcast, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most like? What's what's the weirdest thing you were that you got recognized and you like got caught doing? Like picking nose or like weirdest place you were at? Uh, I don't I don't know if I've ever been caught doing anything too weird. I've definitely been I was on I've been on drugs before at music festivals like <laughs> a lot of drugs and been recognized and like not understood what was happening because I was I remember one time at Coachella, um, this was like right after a roast battle like a couple months afterwards and some guy I had I have this I have this electronic whip it's like a, a rainbow fiber optic whip that I play with at festivals and it, like I slid like rubs runs all over my body and it just like looks super cool it's a it's a flow toy is 
what they're called. And a lot of times people will be like, whoa, that thing's crazy. And I'll stop and I'll, like, I'll do a light show for them. And then one time I did it and this guy's like, I, I finished. He's like, dude, thank you so much. And I was like, yeah, hey, you're welcome. And then he looks and goes, no fucking way. And I was like, <laughs> what? He goes, you're fucking, you're on Comedy Central. And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, that's fucking nuts, dude. And I was just like, yeah, oh, cool, cool. And I was like, I was just rolling really hard. I was just like, I was so, and then it feels even cooler, obviously. Right. But one time I was, it happened where I was, I was on like two hits of acid and I was so, this guy was like, hey man, I know you. And I was like, from where? He's like, a dude, like comedy. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he, I was like, what is your name? He's like, Justin. I was like, do we know each other? He goes, no, no, I, I, I know who you are. Though. And I was like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about right now. I got it. And my friend, my friend looks up. He's like, Alex, he's, he, he know, he's seen you do comedy. He knows you from TV. And I was like, oh, okay. Sorry. I was, uh, I was having a spell there. But yeah, I mean, one time, sometimes people will try to roast me because they just, they, they come up and they just think they were like, oh, I, this guy roasts people. So I'll just go up and roast right, him. Right. And sometimes it's fine. Other times it is not okay. Um, because they just, just like fucked up what they say or like, I don't care what you say to me, to be honest with you. The right. thing is, if you want to approach me and you go, hey, I, I, can I roast you real quick? Fine. Don't just walk up to me and start roasting me like out of nowhere. <laughs> but I had a guy one time, I was in Tahoe and I was doing shows up there, but I was in the park. Um, uh, just during the day, minding my own business, I was on my slack line, and this guy's like, bro, you want to battle me? And I was like, no, I don't. And he's just like, come on, man, you're a pro. Take on an amateur. And I was like, dude, I really don't want to do this. He's like, oh, because uh, you, you don't like the little guys? Is that it? You're too good for roast me? And I was like, bro, I'm not. I will. If you really want to do this, I will. And then he made a joke about me. I made a joke about him. And he fucking got super upset. Really? Really upset. And I was like, bro, this is why I didn't want to do this. He's like, I just didn't think you'd say something like so fucked up. And I was just like, <laughs> you asked me to do this. Like, I didn't want to. I begged you to not do this. And then I was like, you know what? You just get out of here. Walk away. And he did walk away. And then he comes up a couple minutes later. And I was like, I told you to get out of here. He goes, I just want to say that, like, I do think you're funny. And I think your outfits are cool. And I'm sorry. And I was like, great, you said your piece, thank you for acknowledging it, but now just get out of here, dude. I do you don't want to talk what, to you Do you anymore. remember what you said? Yeah, he had a gap between his teeth, and I just, and, oh, I, and I, I said, I don't remember the exact joke, but I just said, like, I, I just said, like, something about how many dicks can you squeeze into there at the same time, into the gap in your teeth at the same time, or some, something to that effect, and he just got so upset, and it was just like, this is what, look. I've trained myself for this. Right. Not everyone likes to be made fun of. I've gotten it my whole life, and I've learned how to own it. So I'm okay with it if you want to do it to me. But most people don't realize what it feels like to just get pummeled really fast in the middle of a day, you know? I learned when I was fucking young as hell with the name Galen. Yeah, like, I, you did, man. I grew up with it. <laughs> I, and Dom told me the other day, he's like, dude, there's not one thing someone could say to you that would make you upset, huh? I'm like, nah, dude. Nah, I was born with it. Dude, you've been fending them off it. left and right your entire I, life, dude. I was dude. born with it, bro. <laughs> People ask, like, why didn't you go by your middle name? My middle name's Isaiah. And the only reason I didn't, well, I didn't think about it as a kid. It's not something you really think about. But it's like, I don't know how to spell it. It's the worst name to spell, dude. That extra I, the or it's I S I A I H, something I, like that. But I don't even know if his mind has an S or a Z. You know, oh, dude, like, yeah. It, on, on top of that, you know, it's like fuck. Dude, I, I think I'll, you should just go full out and just just go by gay, just gay yeah. mash. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh my my first girlfriend. Her name was Lynn, 
And so, like, when we broke up, the the new joke was, now you're gay because you don't have lint. And I was like, oh, God, man. God damn it, I mean, dude. it's too bad that didn't work out because you already have your engagement, like, name, your yeah. hashtag and everything yeah. ready to go. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> that's a, that's also the worst because it's, like, when people are, like, um, like, dude, recently at a, I was, like, it was, like, a week ago. I was at this outdoor party. Uh, and people are, like, oh, like, I hear you're a comedian, blah, blah, blah. Like, tell me a joke. I'm, like, nah, like, just, like, go to my Instagram. Like, I have clips, like, all this stuff. And people, like, they'll, like, press you. And I'll, just, and I'll be, like, all right, fine. I'll tell them one. Silence. I'm, like, god damn it. Like, of course, like, <laughs> god damn you, it. I never do it. Like, when people people ask me all the time, they're, like, will you roast me? Will you tell me a joke? I'm, like, no, but you can come to a show. Or I have, right. a, thing, I have a thing on my website where if, if you pay $25, I will I gladly roast the shit out of you. <laughs> you know? Like, it's, I, I just... I'm not. I'm not at work right now. Is what I tell people. Right. Like, I, like if we're having a conversation, I'll be funny. I promise. I'm always somewhat funny. I'm not just gonna tell you a joke and this and watch it bomb and <laughs> die in <laughs> front of me when I know it's funny. It was so acid. I was. I was pretty gone too. And so I was just like, and like I, the the whole drive home, I was thinking about it too. Of course, the whole party was just out the head. All I was thinking about was that one moment. I was like, did I tell it wrong? I'm like, I had a friend, um, uh, Bill Dixon, who did stand up for a while, mainly like a writer and producer and things like that was his main gig but he he came up with a great idea for that where he said anytime somebody says hey man tell me a joke just start going like okay so these two bloody pussies are fucking going after each other right one of them's got and then he goes into the most rancid raunchy disgusting thing you could ever hear and he was like basically and he was like after that, see if they ever ask somebody to tell them a joke again. Yeah. You know, and I just thought that was such a hilarious approach to it. Is just instead of just go the make it super long, almost like the aristocrats or something right. like that. Like see how long you can stretch it out <laughs> and just keep their attention while you're just going down the most putrid hole you possibly can. That's pretty good. That's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Last last question about like the AGT stuff. What was it like to have like essentially like the entire comedy community kind of just like backing you up? God, man, it felt, it was everything. It was everything. It felt, um, I felt uplifted. I was honored. Um, it was to see, especially because like, you know, when in a normal year, like before this pandemic, I'd be out all the time and I'd be running into friends and they'd be like, and you know, we'd be talking about it and you know, I'd be doing shows and to not have that kind of support system this year has definitely been rough. Like not performing. I'm sure you feel it too. Is just yeah. like, there's this energy in me that I don't know what to do with. And like, there's this camaraderie that I don't feel. And so on those days when I'm watching these, these so hundreds of messages come in from people that I, I, you know, have known for a, since I since the first day I started to people who I've only met the past few like a few months before to like major icons of mine like celebrity heroes were like tweeting for me and stuff like that and just in those moments I felt just like I was there's no way I could lose or I could do not do well on the show I can get kicked off the show and I expected to get kicked off the show because I, what I am is not exactly right for what that audience wants you right know as, I mean? as a champion or they winner. want easily digestible material for the most part you know that's why i'm glad the spoken word guy brandon leak won because he was it was up against him and two guys who do acoustic covers on the guitar which is just like and they made they got second place and doing, they do covers of other people's shit yeah doing right. you two blake shelton you know stuff right. like that. and i'm just like look I understand why America want, why the audience of this show wants this. They recognize these songs. These are two former cops. They sing well. They play on their, you know. But I'm like, don't. Like, I'm a original. I want better things than that to go forward. So, 
to have that feeling of everyone behind me and what really, really kicked it all off is not only just seeing all these tweets and everything, but I was in my dressing room about, about almost like two hours before I actually had to shoot and it was a live show. So, I mean, pressure on. I've never told these jokes before. I haven't performed in six months. I'm, I have no audience. I'm on this massive stage, bright lights, 10 million people are watching. Literally every single thing is like, fuck, 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 <laughs> you know? And I get a call from Jeff Ross who has been just a great friend and mentor to me for the last few years and he was like bud who's with you there you got friends you got your your girl there and I was like no no one's allowed to be here because of COVID restrictions like we can't have anyone with us and he just goes fuck dude that's rough and I was like yeah and he just said (laughs) and Jeff he just said we're FaceTime he goes dude don't even worry about it all of us are there we're all there with you you know that and like every single one of us is there with you today whether we're present or not we're with you and I was like there was there was so much beauty in that sentiment and right. it was something where I was ready I was so ready to go out there and perform like I knew this shit like the back of my hand and I was like ready. I knew I was gonna do well but that was like now I can't fail because I got this I that's what I needed to hear you know and I think right. he probably knew that in some way um, which is why he called me on that because nobody else was calling me on the day of shooting you know right? but you know he was like I'll give you a little pep talk and it was nice that's fucking dope, dude. Yeah. And then yeah, you killed it, too. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, it was a good feeling. <laughs> how has the quarantine, like, affected your, your like, writing? Man, it's tough because I try to write at least a little bit every day, even right. if it's just, like, j- I, journal entries and stuff like that, like, um, whatever it is. Um, but it's hard... It's hard to come up with evergreen jokes during this because I'm not out living my life as much. Right. So I definitely, I've probably written about 15 to 20 minutes of evergreen material in the past six months that I can still know I'm going to be able to do post pandemic and all mm-hmm. that shit. Um, but it's hard when you're just not out there living. It's hard to find the motivation. It's like, yeah, I can, right. write, I can write this bit, but where the fuck am I going to go do it? Right. Like, and so I was doing a lot of, I, I still am doing a lot of Zoom shows and stuff like that because it's making me stay sharp. It's making me have to think and go like, well, I can't keep doing these jokes when I from you know two years ago. I can, obviously, but it's not going to feel good to be doing them into a computer screen right. when I was doing them in front of 300 people that was that were fucking losing their minds. So it became a thing of like, well, how do I want to use these shows? Do I want to do the same material that I already know works? Or do I want to just branch out and just, again, risk failing? And I'm risk bombing. And I was way more happy to bomb than to do a bit that I already knew worked. Did you, so you actually did like material. I did one Zoom show and I was like, dude, I'm not doing that again. If Like I kind of like live podcasted it. Like I kind of just like went with it. I didn't kind of, I didn't fucking, I didn't want to like, because like all my material is just joke, joke, joke. Instead of like I don't do, I don't try not to do stories. I don't try to like, like I don't. What's in the news today? I don't do that shit. Like so, I was just like live podcasted it, and I just didn't have fun. And a lot of people out share the same sentiment. Yeah, I think you know the zooms are what you make of them. And I think some people like did a few and are like, I'm not gonna fucking do this. And for me, I was like, look, I don't have anything else to do. Right. So I will continue to master to 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 master this skill and to get good at it and play with the format. And what I realized is. Like, if you put in effort, 
they will respond. And obviously some are better than others. Like sometimes somebody asks me to do one and there's like no audience whatsoever. They're like, okay, so you can't hear anybody laughing, but they are watching. I was like, well, that sucks for everybody. <laughs> like what are you doing this for? But, you know, I run one every two weeks with my friend Sophia Alexandra and we have typically about 40 to 50 screens in there with one to two to three people per screen. And we encourage everybody, turn on your mics, turn on your cameras and we can see everybody and right. hear them. And in that respect, like sometimes they can be pretty good, you know, and it feels it's it, it's a weird feeling because like when you're do you do really well. And then as soon as it's done, you're still just sitting in a chair at your desk. <laughs> and then like I almost compare it to like it's like sex versus masturbation. Right. It's like at the end, like like sex is comedy in a club. Like you finish and hopefully both parties are satisfied and you walk out of there feeling like a million bucks. And you're like, hell yeah, dude, I just fucking I just fucked that yeah. crowd. They, <laughs> and they got and they and they had pleasure, too. A Zoom is more like masturbation where you like you close the screen at the end and you're like, I don't know how I feel, you know? It felt, okay, it felt okay at the time, but now I'm just kind of dirty and shameful, and and I'm just sitting here covered in my own mess in my apartment with my fiancé watching the Babysitter's Club 12 feet away, <laughs> whatever it may be. So I just had to, like, use them as a different thing, you know, and just figure out how they would work for me. And, and now I'm out doing some regular shows, and I'm bringing the Zoom bits into them and finding the real like beats and moments and it feels good to know that they're not like brand new but they feel brand new because i haven't done them on an actual stage right right these park shows and outdoor shows like i've done a few like they're they're not like they're definitely better than the zoom shows but it's just not it's just so like synthetic like like it feels all right but it's just like and like i enjoy it i have fun with it but it's not like it just doesn't quite scratch the fucking the itch. Yeah, I did one here three days ago. So there's like an amphitheater over there. I don't know if you noticed when you walked in. When oh, yeah. we walk back out of the park, I'll, I'll point it out to you. Right. But they're doing stuff like on Fridays and Saturdays there. And I was literally, I didn't even know what was happening. I just happened to be slacklining in this park. And then I walked over because I saw like an amp set up. I was like, what's going on here? And they were like, oh, we're doing a comedy show. I was like, who is? And then somebody noticed me and they were like, Hooper, do you want to go up? And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to go up. Like, <laughs> hell yeah, live stand up right now. So. You know, it's, I like the weird environments. L.A. kind of, like, has, like, made me, has kind of brought me to that anywhere where I'm always in some kind of, like, rooftop or weird, sure. you laundromat. know, warehouse, laundromat. Yeah. Sure, like, the back of a bar, like, yeah. a, a weed den, whatever the fuck we're doing. So, this isn't, like, weird to me to be doing outdoor shows, but I will say I did a couple indoors recently, like, in San Diego, and I did one in Santa Ana last week, and, man... Felt so good to be back inside. Really? Oh, See, God, that's what I'm saying. Dude, I can't it was wait. So good. Man. It's just because you know, outdoor is fun, but the laughter dissipates. It flies away. Yeah. We're in a club or indoors. It bounces around for a while. Mm -hmm. It was. Uh, I did this one, this bar show outdoor, like on their patio, and it was like so. It was safe and socially distant, all that stuff, and so like, but like the furthest people away were like 60 feet away. So like, I could see them laughing. I could fucking see them laughing, but I couldn't hear them. I'm like, what the hell? Like they might as well just not even be there. You know? It's like fuck. Like just come closer, please. Just come closer. But dude, that's the, that was what was so weird about America's Got Talent. Why I think comedians had such a rough season, obviously, is because there was no audience, and so there was no way for us to like look good. Mm. Um, and for me, I was like, great. So my only audience member is three 
super famous worldwide mega rich celebrities that are literally 75 feet away from me Fuck. in giant chairs and I can't hear any, them laughing or anything at all. <laughs> like this is like, you know, again, terrible scenario for a comic, but that's why that's 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 why I did the book cuz I was like right. this will work with or without. I don't need to get them on a rolling laugh here mm-hmm. to have this go well. Uh in your career, what's one time that you like it, totally expected a show to like just suck ass, and you got there and it was like fucking great? Oh man, God, you know I've had it go the other way probably more times than that. Really? You, I, I mean, it just depends. I mean, I mean sometimes I'll say this: like there's ta- what I've realized is there's cities that you expect to not be great, right? right. Like, I, like last year I had a run where I did a couple days in Denver and then I went straight from Denver to Lincoln, Nebraska. And I thought like, dude, Denver is going to be popping. Their comedy scene is so good. There's right. so many killers there. I love that town. I'm so excited. And I went there and my shows went well. Like, you know, not great, but they were good. Right. And But what I realized is like Denver – is pretty fucking woke, right? So if you start talking about darker stuff or if you, you know, let a slur like slip through there that they maybe they weren't ready for, they get kind of like, ooh, well, right. we, don't, we don't say those kind of things around here. And then I go to Lincoln, <laughs> Nebraska, and they're like, oh, we don't give a fuck what you say. And so then all of a sudden I'm in this place where I'm like, is my material going to, I'm so like, you know, I have all these weird kind of like cerebral bits that are very heady and very like acid trip kind of style. And I go off on these crazy long rants and I have a lot of like hypothetical bits where you really have to kind of go with me on this journey. It's not so much set up punch, you know, how much uh, for an hour. Sure. I got about 25 minutes. They'll probably like, and the rest of it, they might not. But what I found is they were so open and to receiving whatever I was going to do that they ended up being some of my favorite shows I've ever done. So now I actually look forward to going to places like Chattanooga, Tennessee and Lincoln, Nebraska and Springfield, Massachusetts, whatever it may be, just because I'm doing, I'm meeting these people that otherwise I would never run into in a million years. And I think another thing that like adds to it in those like, uh, like kind of like smallish towns, like do I go on up and I do Oregon all the time because my fucking grandma moved up there. And so like I got in with that scene. And so I go up there and I'll do like co-headlining shows and shit with like some of their dudes. And like, it's crazy because in this town, like Bend and Lapine and Prineville and all those other towns that they do shows at, they don't like, they don't have a movie theater. Like they don't like have all this other stuff. So it's like when they, when it's comedy night on Saturday, it's like, they show up. Yeah. It's like, that's their fucking, like, that's their thing. They don't have, it's not L.A. where you can just walk down the street and find ten different things to do. It's like Saturday night, oh, we're going to the comedy show. doesn't even matter who the fuck's going to be performing. They're just like, let's go do it. And they fucking, they're like, we paid however much money. We're going to fucking enjoy however much. Yes. It's, it's crazy. L.A. Um, really trains you. Like, I mean, I, should, I didn't really start going on the road for the first few years. I would just do L.A. shows mainly. Mm-hmm. And it really trains you to that, like, to just be tough against audiences because we are jaded here. Like most of our shows are free and people don't really, people are just sitting on their phones because they didn't pay for anything. And they're like, well, I can go see comedy anywhere. If I don't like this show, I'll go two doors down and they're doing it in that place. Right. And so people are like, you do kind of have to like build up this very thick skin about like, God, your jokes better be fucking good to get an LA audience into it. And then you go on the road and you're like, you know, you have it hammered down because you've already dealt with the, 
most jaded people that don't give a shit. Right. Now, like you said, these people are paying customers. Yeah, they got a babysitter. They want to have they want to have a good time tonight. They didn't come here to not laugh at your jokes. So if you are playing with them and you give them a fun show, they will show up for you. And that's I mean. I miss the travel part of all of this so much. Going to these places, I would never go to Nebraska if it wasn't for comedy. <laughs> but I turned out like I've been to that. Uh, this will, I'm going back in December for my third time in in that city in Lincoln, and I've developed a fan base there in a place that otherwise I would have never fucking gone. And now I've like fallen in love with a city that like I'm not gonna move there or anything. Right. But I know that I can go there and I have friends and fans that I will see that will show up for me and bring their friends. And it's just nice like de- it's establishing all. All these little bases all over the world. Oh, that's crazy. What's a place that you haven't performed at that's on your list of like places that you really want to perform? Um, I've never done Largo. If we're talking LA based, like Largo is the theater right on La Cienega where mm-hmm. they do like tons of uh, like just the evening at Largo. It's like where Sarah Silverman shot multiple specials and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, if we're talking like places, like yeah. I was gonna go to, I was gonna go to Japan um next month and Shit. perform. Um, obviously I'm not anymore, but I was super excited to go to Tokyo and Osaka. And Osaka has a comedy club there, and it's called the R O R comedy club and that stands for Raph Out Roud because <laughs> some expat thought they were being super clever um, but I mean yeah and I mean I just want to do I mean definitely more I started to do I did, got to do a couple theaters um, but more so like I want to just get more of I don't really care where I am so much. I want to be a place where my fans are. Right. I got to do this really great gig last year, right after Burning Man. Um, I got to do um, the Silver Legacy Expo Hall, and I was opening for J.P. Sears, um, who is like uh, pretty big. Like he's only been doing comedy like stand up a few years, but he's a huge name on like he has like over a million YouTube subscribers and shit. Oh shit! Super funny guy though. But I was opening for him, and. Uh, it was a thousand people right out of Burning Man, and I got to do forty-five minutes. And I was like, th- I was like, this feels like what the future will be. Like this is these are a crowd that I don't I don't have to pander to at all. They will understand every single reference I make. They will understand who I am as a person, and they will follow me after this, you know. And that's exactly what it was. And I felt like that one night where even though I was just the opener, I was like, this is what my future will be if I can keep moving in this direction. Like I will sell out theaters of people that are there that are like-minded that are there for me that's fucking crazy yeah it was a it was a really i mean it was awesome i mean 45 minutes for a thousand people i was like i was over the moon dude i was nuts how did um or how is the like the quarantine and the everything being shut down and not being able to do stand-up how has that affected your like mentality and like your drive it's been a struggle for sure. Um, or I, it, m- m- more so in the way of like, how do you think you're gonna like come out of it? Like, like, like your motivation wise. I'm so. I, I guess I'm still motivated. It's just tough. It's tough to find what to do with myself a lot of the times because I used to work a re- when I wasn't on the road. I would work a regular job at Universal for seven hours a day, and then I would go do my spots at night. And I would, and if I wasn't doing spots, I was at least at clubs and shows. I was going to stuff six nights a week. You know, I was out there in the world, and so all of that was taken away. And suddenly, I was like, God, who am I without? 
all of those things. I don't have a job. I don't have, a sh- I'm not performing. And it really became down to like, well, how do I want to, what do I want to do with myself in this time? And so I started, I was very motivated in the beginning because I was like, I don't know how long this is going to be. I better write a pilot or something, you know? Right. So I did that and I kept, I kept writing. I kept putting stuff out there. And then I got to a point where I was like, well, now I don't, want to do anything anymore now I don't know what to do with myself so I just started like exercising every day and started meditating I mean I always meditate every day but like let me read write meditate and exercise every single day and then if I do those four things then I will feel good and don't turn the tv on until it gets dark don't smoke pot until it gets dark um and now more stuff is slowly but surely coming back. So I'm getting a little bit more hyped up. Like I have dates um, in December and then April of next year and October of next year. I already have something booked like 17 months down the road. You know, like so it's things are starting to come back and I feel the motivation and I feel the want and the desire to get back out there. It's just a matter right now of figuring out exactly how, right. you know, and so I have, I've been trying to release more stuff. I'm bringing back my podcast. I have a mini special coming out. Um, uh, eventually I can't, I don't have a release date on it yet, but I mean, I have these things that I've just, I've just been trying to stay as active as possible, but man, I have to fucking do a lot of self-reflection these past few months, as I'm sure you have too, of right. just like, okay, well without, when you take away all the external stuff, who the fuck am I anymore? I spent 23 years trying to find something to make me happy, and I found it in stand-up comedy. It took me 23 years to really find something to be like, this, I will do this for the rest of my life. I will do the work necessary. I will put forth everything I have into this to make it work. And then to have that be taken away in such an extreme, fast, <laughs> like just, right. it was just, bam, it's gone. God, man, it fucking hurt bad. And... My fiance tried to like comfort me as much as she could, but the fact is, look, we're when you're a comedian, you need a lot of validation, and you mm-hmm. need people to be like, "Dude, you're funny. Oh, I loved you. That I love this joke." And I miss and I miss that a lot. Right. And now that I've done a few live shows and I've gotten a little taste of it again, it's like, oh man, I just want more and more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, and I hate to be like, I'm needy. I need this attention, but like, I do. I'm a comedian, right? So I right. do need attention. <laughs> With the the whole who am I type of thing, I took shrooms for the first time like right before uh, all this, right before everything like happened and stuff. And I had okay, so it was weird because I had like a, for the for the first four hours I had a fucking amazing trip. It was like the great like it was the greatest time of my life. It was fucking amazing. And then four hours in, we smoked weed to like extend it. And for so, I poked my finger on like the balcony, and all of a sudden just everything just went. <laughs> Everything just went quiet, and I just started having, like, this fucking, like, this weird paranoia, like, panic attack. Like, dude, I took, like, four showers. I was shivering. Like, it was fucking, <laughs> it was crazy. It was nuts. And then for, like, like it took so long for me to get back to, like, normal. Like, it's, like, and then everything, like, shut down. Everything was not normal. And so I was trying to get back to being normal while everything was not normal because I started having, like, paranoia for, like, for, like, no reason. For, like, it was about a month after uh, wow! Yeah, and do you attribute that to the shrooms, like to the to the to the trip, or like just kind of like, and were you just because it was your first time? Um, like, obviously, that's a new experience for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think just the timing of it all kind of just left it more to marinate in your brain a little more, just so that you could then a month later, all of a sudden, you're still feeling the after effects of it? No, because it was it was about a month later that everything like happened, and so it was. It was definitely, for me, it was the shrooms. It was, I don't know what it was, but it was like right when the ego death happened, that's when we smoked the weed. And that's when uh, it just like, first, I don't know what it was in my head that I just couldn't handle. 
or whatever it was, but I was just like, holy shit, I'm going to die. And yeah. I started, like, freaking the fuck out. That's not the worst thing, though. I mean, honestly, like, I tell people this all the time because people are like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to have a bad trip. What if I have a bad trip? It's like, look, there are no bad trips. There are only challenging trips. You're never going to die from eating mushrooms. Like, right. You know, you might have an experience that you maybe didn't want to have, but in my thing is, like, with, with, mo- with drugs, it's like we don't always get the trip we want. We get the trip we need. And sometimes it's, you know, I've gone down some dark paths where I'm just like, I can't find reality or I'm not, I'm not in a good place. I'm not comfortable, but I always come out of it having learned something. And I think I'm always a better person when I'm done than when I was, when I went in there before. I think it was, I was battling like, like my own like mortality type of thing. Cause it's like a, a few, a bunch of family members had died. People that I know, like, like I just grew up with death and stuff. So it was like something that I was like thinking about, but like not, it was like on the back burner. It wasn't something that I was thinking about all the time. And so like the trip itself was fucking like great. We did all, it was fucking hilarious. It was a, an amazing time. I've talked about it on the podcast. I don't want to tell the story, but, uh, we fucking, it was like right when there was downtime, it just like came to the front burner and it was just boom. Well, psychedelics will do that to you. Like, I mean, I, uh, you know, they're meant to kind of dig up parts of you that otherwise you might not realize are problematic, you know, like they're meant to kind of bring up generational trauma and past abuse and things like, like those kind of like things will, they find what's wrong inside you and they bring it to the foreground. And then it's up to you really to figure out what you want to do with this information. Right. You know, I've done, I've done a lot of psychedelics. <laughs> They're like, I mean, that's like, I mean, I love them. They're just like, and sometimes it's the most fun. I'm just dancing around in the fucking rain naked like an idiot. Just like, nothing can hurt me. I'm invincible. And other times I'm in like away from my friends in a corner at a party going, I just need to be by myself right now. I'm going through something. Please leave me alone and I'll be back, you know? Right. But it's just, you don't know what you're going to get into. And so I always tell people like, look, just go in there with a good headspace, be around people that you're comfortable set and setting is everything, you know, and be ready to just confront things that you might not think be thinking about. That was something that someone told me. They were like, just, just go with it. Just go with whatever it is. Don't try and fight it. And I think I just tried to fight it and it fucking got me. It was the fucking thing. Well, that's, that's, that takes time. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, honestly, like, this is gonna sound so weird but like drugs like everything else they're a practice like and the more you do them the better you get at them (laughs) you know whereas it's just like meditating it's just like comedy it's just like slacklining whatever it may be you have to learn the more times you do it the more experiences you have the more situations will come up that you'll be ready for and then you'll understand how to navigate them over time what was how old are you 35 35 when was the when was like the first time that you dabbled in psychedelics I did an eighth of mushrooms when I was 16 years old. Okay. Um, so almost 20 years deep on those guys. I think I did acid for the first time when I was like 19. Um, I've done, but I, at this point, I mean, there's very few psychedelics I haven't done. I, I did ayahuasca a week before quarantine started. I did a two-night weekend retreat doing that. I just did 2CB a couple weeks ago for I don't the even first know what time. that is. It's a research chemical that's basically like acid and molly mixed together. Um, you know, I've done a lot of ketamine. I've done, I've done all, I've done all those things. And I, again, 
I don't just do like drugs. I don't have like I, when I, when I say it like that, people are some people will listen to be like, "Whoa, that sounds like a problem." Right? No, I only do drugs to make already fun situations more fun. I never do drugs because I'm in a bad mood. That's my rule about them: is they only allow the, the increase the fun level. They don't cause anything to be fun. Right. And when you look at it that way, or and psychedelics too. Every at least once a year, I have a trip completely by myself. Um, I either I'm either, it's I either do it when my fiance is away or I go somewhere where I can just be completely alone and I just do them on my own and I have I'll I'll cry a lot I'll you know I'll have uh, it's a lot of like self-acceptance and self-love and it's always a beautiful reset I love doing it if so like setting like so we had a babysitter it was me and my homie we had a babysitter who like left like midway and like right so it was like you know right when you take them and then you have like that oh shit like whether i want it or not this is gonna fucking happen yeah yeah exactly as soon as it's in there it's yeah, like all right like, well fuck. 45 minutes from now i'll be a new person yeah <laughs> uh like like that that build up as we're going up she was like we were like listening to like ben staples and she's like oh i just got off the phone with my homie he says you shouldn't be listening to stuff like that because you're gonna freak out and i'm just like and then i'm now all of a sudden i'm thinking about freaking out yeah, and I was just no. like, well, you just put that out there. Like, what the hell, man? And then it started. I was just like, God damn it. Like, but then, like, you, for, I forgot about that. And, like, I, I, I just remembered it, like, now. And I was just like, fucking, like, you know, like, there's someone, like, the worst babysitter ever. You know, yeah, she, you she left us halfway. If, if, I was just, like, if you're a Vince Staples fan and you want to listen to Vince Staples, you should fucking listen to Vince Staples. Yeah. You should be like, no, nah, dude, trust me. You got to put on fish right now, bro. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not going to work. No, you listen to whatever the fuck you want to listen to. If you're a person who likes to listen to the sound of children screaming in a haunted house, then fine, put that on. <laughs> I think your friends are going to get fucking pissed that that's what you want to listen to instead of something a little more chill. But the thing is, a baby, someone who's watching you should only coerce you into good feelings. They shouldn't be like, don't do that! Yeah! Right, like, that's, right. That's the worst thing you could do. Yeah, that was just like, goddamn. You know, that's, I've, 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 I've sat through, I, I've, I've ushered in a lot of people for their first time and I've not, you know, I've been the person that would kind of be with them and like talk them through it and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm happy to kind of guide you along the way because overall I'm very positive and I'm very optimistic and if you start going down a bad place, I can usually find a way to pull you out of it right just through pure optimism and happiness it was it was so like when i started like going into that dark place my it was just me and my homie at this point uh and he was like i don't know what's going on i'm just go downstairs watch tv and so i was just like i, I like <laughs> i tried to force myself to go to bed you know but like a million thoughts a, a, a yeah. minute are coming through so i can't just fucking fall asleep i'm shivering i'm like i cover myself in blankets but i'm not like cold i'm just like shaking i'm like god damn it like, it was just like I, t I swear i took like four showers and it like there was no warm water left i took a cold shower can't get clean can't get clean yeah it was just like god and i don't i, I wish i remember because it just kind of like now it's just like kind of like a blur at the end because i just kind of like i wish i remembered like how i ended up getting out of it like i don't remember if i just somehow just fell asleep or like yeah probably i mean the thing is is like it always ends Right. It always ends. Like, there's right. no, like, again, like, psychedelics are not going to kill you for the most part. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, you know, I've known people that have taken, like, fucking 15, 20 hits of acid at a time. I'm, no, that's, like, I'm, no, 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 no. I would never do anything like that. That's insane. But they always come out of it, you know? It's just, they might be completely altered. They might suddenly be a born-again Christian, you know, when they come back. <laughs> they're like, you know what, dude? I figured it out. I'm going to go be a missionary in Burma. I'm like, okay, uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good trip. <laughs> but it's more so like, yeah, you have to tell yourself that. Like, I, whatever I'm feeling right now, I'm going to be fine tomorrow. You know? In, in, I do remember in, like, the craziness, I thought 
I was like, I, I, we all have that one thought randomly, like when we smoke weed or this, or it's just like, like this is permanent. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, is this permanent? And then I started thinking about it. I was because I started like recognizing that I was hearing thoughts in my head, and so I recognized my internal dialogue, and I like pinpointed. It. I was like, which never happens, you know. It just usually, just I'm like, oh shit, that person's you know fat or like, I'm I'm hungry, or, you know, like. But you don't think, why am I thinking I'm hungry? Blah, blah, blah. And then you just like run down the 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 thing, and I was just like. I convinced myself that I was a paranoid schizophrenic and then I unconvinced myself because I was like, if I was a paranoid schizophrenic, I wouldn't know it. So I'm not that. Dude, it was so weird. That's the, I mean, that's the song and dance you play with yourself. You just, <laughs> when you, especially if you, I mean, your first time, dude. I mean, I remember my first time. I mean, I remember I was at a party at my friend Kate's house and I remember just looking at this tree and like I was smoking a cigarette and I remember just like watching the tree breathe in and out. Oh, and I was going like, oh, I've never realized like, like we're all like part of the trees and they're breathing just, and I had that very like obvious, just like, no way, we're all like one thing, dude. Like, you know, and then I uh, just, but I remember like, the, and then you, I remember looking in a mirror cause I went to the bathroom and I remember seeing my face and being terrified and going like, God, that's what your fucking face looks like. Gosh, you shouldn't even go back to this party. You should just kill yourself in this bathroom right now, dude. Oh, and I was like, nope, I'm going to go back to that tree that was breathing before and we'll just breathe together and get through this. But, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, overall positive experience for you? Yeah. I mean, now that it's done, uh, I don't know if I would. I mean, I probably will do them again at some point. But, like, it's not something that's, like, on the top of my fucking list of things to do right now. Uh, but now that looking back at it, the trip itself was like, that's what I tell people. I'm like, the tr like people ask me like, Oh, you did mushrooms. Do you think I should try them? I'm like, yeah. You know, like the trip itself was fucking amazing. The thing that went wrong is when we smoked, whatever we smoked just wasn't, I don't remember what it was, whatever we smoked just contradicted whatever the fuck we were on. And it just didn't go well. And so yeah. like, but I mean, that's the, like you said, it's like the risk the it could happen to anybody. It just happened to happen to me. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky, you know, you, I mean, I've seen, I've had friends freak out in the middle of a fucking 90,000 person music festival. And all of a sudden it was like, all right, hang on a second, buddy. We got to get you out of this crowd. Yeah. We gotta, <laughs> hang on, come with me. We're not doing this here. You know, like I've also, you know, I've also been the one to talk people down when I, I've, I've found strangers that are tripping too hard at events and I'll be like, and I'll, I'll sit down and be like, Hey, listen, I'm here. Like, you know, you don't, my name's Alex. Uh, we don't know each other, but you're gonna get. You're, we're gonna get through this thing, you know. Because I've I, I recognize when. Do you have a story about that? I mean, I've had people. I had people when I was at uh, Desert Hearts Festival a couple years ago. I watched a guy. Um, suddenly, I I, so, so I I sort of thud and I turned around and this dude was on the ground and I was like and nobody was doing anything because everybody was like, "Whoa, is he okay?" And I went down and he was. His forehead had a big gash in it, and he was just bleeding. Oh, fuck. Like, like enough that it was concerning, but not enough that was like, this guy's going to die right now. Right. Was like, I was like, I, I immediately, I had I had my camel back on. I put my hose in his mouth. I was like, bite and suck, bite and suck. You need water. Bite and suck. And this guy's just like, Ugh! And I was like, somebody help me pick him up. We got to hit this guy to a medical tent. He's like, no, no, no. And I was like, buddy, listen. You got to go to the medical tent. No one is judging you. Do you, who are you here with? And he's going, and I was like, Jesus. I, I, I was like, I'm picking you up. We're going to walk there. My name's Alex. We, we, what's your name? Like, try to get him to talk, try to do this. Right. You know, and I, we, and like, I got other people, like, other people trying to join. They're like, yeah, man, no, it's cool in the medical tent, dude. Like, we've all been <laughs> in the medical tent before. And I'm like, yeah, we've all been there before. I've never been in the medical tent. <laughs> I fucking, I know how to control myself. I know how to handle myself. Um, but <laughs> the fact is, it was like, this was one of those moments where I was like, I, and I was tripping. 
I was or I was also on a hit of acid and I was I was on I was under the guise of everything and I didn't part of me is like I don't want to stop my tr- like I'm not in the headspace right now to deal with this but the other part of me was like this is a human being who needs right. help right now how are you not going to fucking you can't walk away from You're this You're going to go on and party no way yeah, yeah no way I had to, and then the you know it took me 5 minutes out of my life to walk this guy over to the medical tent and I was like I don't know him I don't know what he took but they're like we see it all the time. We got, you know, we got right. this from there. And then I was able to party that much harder because I felt like, oh, cool. I even I helped, helped someone I helped tonight. Guy, yeah. That's crazy. It's um, my so one time, like only time that because it was it was so it was so bizarre. It was the weirdest thing, and he can't explain it. It was uh, it was during the during the quarantine. It was like probably like a month and a half ago. We were all we were all wasted. We were smoking weed, all that shit. And then, like, it was my homie's party. It was a great time. And then like. Out of nowhere, he like comes. Everybody's like, "Oh, where's where's?" I'm not gonna say his name. Where's blank? Uh, and he like comes out, and he had like a, a cut on his wrist. We were like, "What the fuck?" Uh, we have no idea where it came from. And he like starts like freaking out. He started like really like freaking out, like having like a panic attack. But it wasn't a panic attack. Like I've like felt I've had panic attacks. I've seen it. It's not. It wasn't that. But he was just like not. He was like an alternate person. It was the fucking weirdest shit. And he started like he started crying because he didn't know where the cut came from. So I like I was like, dude, it came from your watch because he was like punching the punch bag. I was like, dude, it came from your watch. Started freaking out. And then he's like started talking about some guy named Frank. And then he starts like he was like he thought some guy named Frank was like trying to like come and get him. We oh, were like Jesus. and I was like holy. Sh-. And we all we did was smoke and we were just we were just drunk. But I mean I guess anybody's headspace. I was just like holy shit. So I was like dude there's no one there's no one here and like of course there was a crowd of people like the whole party was like stopped came out. I was like dude everybody get the f- like every- just get the fuck out of here like and it's like everybody like dispersed and I was like trying to like talk him down I was like let's go here let's go here and like trying to just distract him but it was like it wasn't him it was the weirdest fucking thing and then we I get him inside the house I'm like do you just need to go to like bed like do you're fucking like like you're you're cool and so I like brought him to his room trying to like I was like he's an artist I was like dude like tell me about this one like all this stuff and then like he like he's like uh, I'm, let, let me just sit here. So I was like, all right, for sure. We 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 go outside. Comes back out. He was himself again. We were like, what the fuck? It was like it was like we it was weird. Sometimes and he's like, I don't know who Frank is. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, sometimes a spell will just kind of take over you if you're like crossfaded like that, you right. know? Where especially especially in a time like this, because everything is a little more daunting and a little stranger right now, based on the fact that we've never had a year like this, and we are all living in this new reality, and we're all adjusting to these feelings that, like, I mean, I've had. I thought I beat depression years ago. I thought I'd gotten all this out of my system. I was like, no more of that, those feelings. And sure enough, there's been days when they've just popped their ugly head and back again. And they're like, oh, remember me? <laughs> you thought you dealt with me years ago, but what, I'm still here. What is that like? So for, for me, I've never, like, even after the shrooms, like, people say you'll get, get that post-mushroom depression. I never got depression. I just, like, started, like, freaking about, about like, aliens or whatever. Like, it was just kind of, like, it just felt like a long time. But I never, like... Like, I don't, I've always been happy. Like, even when people are, like, like, bullying me and shit, I was never, like, sad about it. You know, it was just kind of, like, it was just part of it. And, like, so I've never, like, felt, like, depression. So, like, what is, like, like, what does it feel like? What is it? I mean, it's an apathy. It's a, it's like, I mean, for me, it was always, like, this wall went up in my head that was, like, doesn't it just feel good to be miserable? Don't you want people to feel bad for you? Don't you just want to have a reason why everything sucks and why you're a failure? You know, those kind of thoughts. And I had this for my, until 
hardcore until I was probably 23 or so where it was like debilitating to the level where I mean I was hospitalized multiple times for like my for depression and things like that and I was always on pills uh, and then I refused to take them after a while because I didn't like what they did to me but I thought this was like I've done so much work on myself over the years that I was like I've dealt with this shit I'm right. over it and then sure enough take away all the things I love, take away stand-up comedy, take away traveling, take away live music, take away my friends, to, you know, all of a sudden, I don't have my distractions. And and certain things happen where there's, like, where you, you spent years getting myself to the, I spent years getting myself to the point where I finally feel like I have it all figured out, only to have it all stripped away again, and that's when those thoughts are like, hey... You wanna uh, stay in bed all day? <laughs> it's 10 a.m. You wanna hit that bong and just sit on the couch and watch stupid movies? And you're like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and then, you know, and then it's a matter of battling all over again and getting that shit out of you and just realizing that it's not gonna make you happy. It's gonna, it's a temporary thing of like, well, fuck me, woe is me, everything sucks. And then you know what? Then you're gonna get drunk and you're gonna get stoned and then you're gonna wake up and none of your problems are gonna be solved and I'd rather come out here and exercise you know I, right. I'm one of those people who I've gotten myself in better shape during quarantine and most of that is me just running away from the fear of complacency and just settling my down my life that's man this whole this whole this whole year has just really pushed us all man yeah I'm very, it's, I'm very, the thing is, like, I don't want to complain too much because, like, for right. me, I've been very fortunate where, like, I I had a really good couple of years leading into this one. So, like, financially, I I was good and I saved a bunch of money. And so, like, when all this hit, like, I wasn't too worried financially or anything. It was more so just, like, now I've got to deal with the changing world and I'm watching all these things come to light. And, again, you know, I went to so many protests and listened to so many stories of people right. that have had these oppressed lives that I... I never have had. So if anything, it just kind of made me realize the importance of everybody and every and everything that's happening and understanding worlds that I'm not a part of that right. I don't have any that otherwise I have nothing to do with and just listening and for a first time in a long time I stopped thinking about my career a lot this year which is crazy because like I had to think about America's Got Talent obviously and I had to think about that stuff but other than that I was like how I don't need to write today I don't need to film a sketch how can I help somebody today what can I do for somebody else to really make myself like I'm going to make myself feel good by making others feel good and right. when I go with that mentality then it just made me feel so much better so part of it was self-serving but for the right reasons right you know man two more two more things one you've been doing it like 11 you said 11 and a half years yep that's how many people in those 11 and a half years that you're like man like those guys are fucking like hilarious or like people that you thought were like gonna make it or people that you thought were just like or just were great at stand-up like just disappeared thousands 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 holy thousands. shit because like i mean i i wish i knew how many open mic slash shows i've done in that time i have no idea um but you see people that are like man this guy kills it every fucking time he's like like how could he not be a star and then three years go by and maybe they get frustrated or they find another path or for whatever reason they leave and people quit all the time and people the thing about like 
entertainment as a whole, it, it's longevity is everything. Mm-hmm. And everybody that show me a comic who's been doing it for 15 years that's not living off comedy and I will basically show you the laziest person in the world who has no creativity or no originality or no drive whatsoever to actually make it. Because if you've been doing this for that long and it's and you really wanted it, you would have found a lane. Whether it be writing, whether it be producing, whether it be straight stand-up, acting, whatever it may be, you would have found a way to make it work. And I think the people that really want it, they all do make it work. And that's why sometimes people are like, what? How's that guy getting a Netflix special? I, I, he's never been funny. Right. Guess what? He found his crowd that thinks he's funny. And he kept working his ass off until other people found he was funny. So maybe you don't think he's funny, but all these people over here do. Right. So don't worry about what other people are doing or, or what you think of anybody. All you can, because you're, you're going to watch so many people quit. And you're going to, I've begged people to not quit. I've been like, dude, no, please. You're so good. All you have to do is just stay in, I promise. But then they're like, the fucking, the comedy store, they won't pass me. And they won't give me any spots. And the improv, I'm just waiting in line for three hours for an open mic and nothing happening and I'm just like then what, what else do you want to yeah. do you know for me there is no other answer than this this is all this is the only thing I've ever found as a career that has actually brought me any sort of happiness and self-fulfillment so I don't have another out and that's why I was still working up until COVID I was still working my day job because I didn't care and I just wanted the money to continue traveling and doing stand-up as much as I wanted to. So it never felt like, God, I fucking hate that I have to go to work. I mean, I did, but it always was like, it doesn't matter because I have this other thing right you know, in my life so i think if you have something who cares how long it takes you're only going to keep getting better at it and for someone like like how many years in are you uh two that's it too yeah damn dude oh my god yeah you have think about the cool shit that you've gotten to do in two years right? right whether it's been interviewing like you know someone like mark norman on your podcast whether it's getting on stage at the irvine improv to a sold out room doing a guest set and those seven minutes you just crush so hard right for whatever reason all the elements lined up that's what's happened in two years. Mm-hmm. How would you not want to just keep going That's- to see what the fuck else is going to happen? Mm-hmm. That's what, like, I got, you know, I got on Comedy Central. I was, I've been doing it for eight years when I got my first Comedy Central credit. And then things just kind of started happening and rolling in. And I had already done shows with my heroes. I'd already met Chappelle and talked to him about seeing him live when I was 14 years old in Towson, Maryland and watching him. And then he's watching me now on this, on these stages. And I've already, and I'm like, this is, this is happening at eight years, nine years. What, why would I not keep doing this right. for as long as possible right. just to see how big we can make it? How good can we get? That's my only motivation is how fucking good can I get and how can I continue to have these experiences that are so mind boggling to the average person? I mean, like the other day, a picture came up on my Instagram. I was tagged in a photo with a couple really famous comics and my sister just texts me and she goes, Alex, your life is so crazy. And I'm like, that's so that's so great that you that you think that that you see that because I don't always realize it right i guess i don't stop and smell the roses as often as i should because when you're in it and it just becomes a reality you're just kind of trying to stay in and figure out how you can get more and how you can go further i'm not thinking about like oh yeah i guess it is crazy that these two people that you've watched on tv for 20 years it's just the three of us in a pool together drinking (laughs) lacroix whatever 
I feel like that's something that that drove me like harder because that's what people they always talk about like my work ethic and shit. Like, dude, I've done the I've done the improv five or six times, and the only time that I didn't hit a couple mics before that set was Ontario, just because it was fucking Ontario. I don't right. know, I don't know the mics out there, but like any of the other times, dude, I was at mics before that, and then once after, it was just like it doesn't matter. It's just go 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 and trying to get as better as, as the, the best that I could be for the level that I'm at is just trying to that's what I'm trying that's when the that's what you should always be thinking right is it's, it's just about doing your best it's not about like oh man this guy that I started with he's already got Conan he already right. like great that's gonna happen to you all the time and you're gonna be left wondering well when's it gonna happen to me when's it gonna happen to me and I got to this point where it's like When's what going to happen to me? Things have been happening for so many, you know, for so many years. We're all going to do different things in our careers and our lives. But the fact is, like, the people, like, the community will lift you up. Like you said, like, what happened to me in AGT, you get these moments when all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, Galen's got this major thing coming up. We all got to go out. We all got to support him. We all got to let him know that we're here. We're going to have a watch party so we can all do it together, whatever it may be. And you're going to have these moments when you feel that camaraderie and you feel that closeness. And to me, like, some people... Maybe they just never loved it, or maybe they got scared of how, or maybe they just got impatient. But my thing is always like, you're closer than you've ever been. Every day that you wake up, you're closer to whatever dream you have becoming a reality. And so, if nothing else, if you're enjoying this and you're having fun, which you always should be, even then, how can you lose? You know, and you're going to watch so many people quit and you're going to beg them not to because they're going to be some of your closest friends, you know, and you're going to be like, please, I don't want to, I don't want to stop seeing you. They're going to think you won't, dude, trust me. And then they're fucking gone, right. you know, because they get a job as an engineer and they can't be hanging out every fucking night at a bar doing, right. watching stand up. So all, that's what I try to like really stress to people is just like, you should just be having fun all the time and not thinking about like where this is really going to take you because if you have fun, then people will realize it and they're going to want to be around you anyway and they're going to want to book you on shows, you know? That's a great way to look at it. Did I see it on your page? Uh, there's, I think I think it was something like, I think that is what you just said, half the quote of you're closer, you're closer today than you were yesterday. Uh, isn't that other half like, uh, be pa like be patient you're closer than you've ever been is I wrote this like when I so when I hit my 10 year mark I wrote this um, an article and it was called 10 years down a lifetime to go and it's basically a lot about a lot of the stuff I'm saying here but basically and it ended up being a list of 17 things that I've picked up along the way to always remember as a stand up comedian and in, in, in this world and it's things as simple as ask for things um, don't get frustrated create things like uh uh, support your friends you know these kind of, these kind of little things but the very last one i did was be patient you're closer than you've ever been because dude you're gonna have so many moments when you think you're gonna get this thing and you're ready for this opportunity and you go through all the motions and everyone's telling you it's gonna happen and then it's gonna be stripped away from you and you're never gonna know why and it's gonna fucking hurt right and you're gonna in those kind of moments where you're gonna be like fuck why do we even sub subject myself to this kind of torture and it's because Every yes makes all of the no's more worth it. Right. You're going to get 50 no's for every time you get a yes, especially early on in the career. Especially. I mean, I do... I mean, I've gone through droughts where, like, I booked I booked a Super Bowl commercial when I was in L.A. for two years, and I booked another one this past year, but in that gap of 10 years, I did not book a single other commercial. Really? For 10 years. And I was going on auditions all the time hundreds of auditions in those 10 years for other commercials never booking one what do you do 
you can get frustrated and say, I'm never going to fucking book a commercial again. Or you, or you keep showing up and saying one day they're going to fucking be right. I'm going to be right for something. So if nothing else, just to see where you can go and where this journey will take you on your life and how much you will learn about yourself as a person from being a comedian, that's my whole motivation right now is how good can I get? How much fun can I have? That's the did you know Grant Cotter? Yeah, I love yeah, Grant Cotter. So dude. he's had an OC, so he was he's kind of mentored me throughout these uh, these years, and so it's like he's been great. And the first thing uh, in like in DMs and stuff, the first thing ever uh, that he said was expect no's, and that helped so fucking much. The having someone tell me to expect it, because had I not known that, I feel like maybe you know, because I, I do see people take it like personally and shit, and I'm like, no, 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 like it's part of it. You can't. What are you gonna get? Say yes every fucking time? There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, have you ever read the book The Four Agreements? I have not. So the four agreements, there's I'll just tell you what the four agreements are. It's uh it's always stay true to your word, be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, and always do your best. And it basically comes from a it's a it's a it's a Mayan um philosophy uh way of thinking. And uh it's it's a Mexican author who wrote the book originally. But basically it just goes through these four if you live your life by these four agreements, that you're going to be a happier person. And don't take anything personally is a huge one in stand-up comedy because there's going to be so many times when you're like looking at a thing of like, oh, I'm perfect for that. How could they not choose me? And then guess what? You don't even get brought into the room and you hear about 50 other people that they're going to showcase and they won't showcase you. Dude, I've never gotten a showcase to do stand-up on Comedy Central. I've never gotten a showcase for a late-night set. I can't get anybody to return my emails half the time. And I'm out there doing great work on stage thinking I'm how can I not be in the mix of these things? Well, for whatever reason, I wasn't being seen by by those people or they weren't seeing me or they didn't think I was ready. And you you can be upset about it or you can just keep fucking going. I feel like timing is everything too. Like I'm a big I'm a huge believer in like like not not just like your time will come, but like everything happens for a reason type of thing. So like the reason I'm able to get like connected and like, able to go up and do all the shows in Oregon is was like an accident. Like I I uh, matched with this comedian chick while I was up there visiting my grandma on Tinder, and she invited me over to the open mic. And so I went to the open mic, and it was crazy because the open mic was like a thing in that fucking town. There was like 40 randos there just to watch the open mic, so it was like a show. It was fucking amazing. The producer comes up to me after, and he's like, "Hey, can you do like 15 opening for this guy tomorrow?" And I was like, I said, it was the only time ever that I've ever turned down a gig, ever. And I said, no, because I wanted to go home. And uh, that was I could have stayed, but I wanted to go. And it was so dumb because my grandma has a damn TV. I should have just stayed. <laughs> you know? But my team was playing in the playoffs uh, for football that the next night. And so I was like, I want to be home for that. Uh, and I was like, I was like a few months in. So I wasn't even like, I wasn't even like thinking. I hadn't even registered. Oh, shit. Like, I should do this. Like, it was just kind of like, oh, you know. And so like. He was like, he gave me his car. He's like, anytime you're going to come back up here, let me know. We'll give you a show. I was like, all right, for sure. And so I go home, and that fucking, that night, they lost by like 40 points. <laughs> and so I felt like it was the universe <laughs> telling me. You're on the show. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> so like I took that, and so like the reason I've never said no to a show is because of that. So I'm just like, yo, the universe was like, fuck you, never say no to a show again. And that's how I took it, and it's worked out. And then I ended up hitting that guy up, and I've been up there so many more times. They've, it's been fucking amazing. Had I said yes and done that show, who I one, I wouldn't have learned that lesson. I would have learned it at some other point. Uh, but then second, I wouldn't have, you know, 
who knows? I could have just done that show and then never come back. It's true. It's, it's so now and, I have, I come back all the time. I feel like it's timing. And you know what's funny about it is, is right now you're like, I never say no. And I had, I had that mentality for so many years that now for the past couple of years, I've had to train myself to say no sometimes. Like when it's not, when a gig isn't serving my best interest, when I'm like, dude, do I really want to drive eight hours round trip for, to, for, 150 bucks and do 20 minutes like and sometimes I go no I don't that's not gonna make me feel good so now yeah. it's a matter of like getting yourself to be okay saying no sometimes because right. that gets really hard too because like yeah when you're hungry you'll fucking eat anything right you know and then you get to a point where you get some food on your table it's like well you know that that banana didn't look as good as it did yesterday <laughs> so I'm gonna eat something else and that's just another thing that we that you have to learn all over again but Again, I mean, as long as you're having fun and enjoying this thing and you feel like you're growing and that's that's part of just like writing all the time and doing all these Zooms. When all these people are like, dude, I'm not going to fucking do Zoom. I was like, well, then when you get back on stage, have fun because it's going to show. If you and I go back to back on a stage when COVID ends and I've been doing two to three Zoom shows every week and you haven't been, I guarantee you you're going to feel that difference immediately. That's what's the it, that's what the like comedy. I I view it as like a science. It really is like it's trial and error. You you write this like, hey, maybe this will work. I'm gonna take this experiment onto the stage, and then I can tinker with it. And it, it, some people don't see it that way. I do, but when I my first set back, like dude, so rusty, and like I was like, okay, like I feel it now. Since that, I've done. I think last week I did twelve in the week. Uh, and I just fucking live shows. Yeah, or not shows, but like shows and mics. Whoa! Uh, I've been going everywhere. Like, yeah, I, I just don't give a shit. I'm like, I'm trying to like just go, 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 because it, it's you. it's gonna come back. Yep. So I might as well get as much work in as I can. And I don't give a shit about the cost of gas. You know, really, I'm like, it's whatever. I get off work and I just I go. I'm gonna be. That's why I try to like schedule like when I do podcasts up here. I try to schedule it so like I'm doing Thursday with a rapper, and then there's the mint on Thursday yeah. and then there's another mic also and so I'm like cool I'm already I scheduled it for specifically so that I can now be already up here so it, it works out that's great but the the la the most recent set that I did everything was like fluid again and like riffs were on and I was like whereas 12 sets before that a week before I was like not in that zone I'm like holy shit like it really like the repetition I, I felt it dude that first one back I remember I did a show on June 3rd and in uh like in right in the middle damn yeah it was a, it was a, a bar in San Clemente um the, a weekly show that I've been doing for many many years um and I I was I was an animal up there. And I mean, to the point where like, I was all of this pent up energy was being released on these 12 people that were in this crowd. And I was just going so hard because I hadn't done it in so long. Right. And it took me like, and I didn't do a set again for probably another month and a half or something like that. And it took me like, I was like, I was like telling myself before, I was like, you got to calm the fuck down, dude. You got to, <laughs> like, this is like, I was back to like year two and three shit where I was just a loud comedian, not necessarily a good one. Right. I was very just like, I was, my thing was like, well, if I scream loud enough, everyone's going <laughs> to react some way, you know? And then you get to a point when you actually have control and you realize that subtlety and nuance and quieting to moments are really more powerful. And it, I had to get back to that all over again. Have you ever done a show with an intermission? Yes. Bro. Uh, 
That's how uh, that's how London runs all their shows. There's two intermissions. What the? Um, can I tell you something though? Over there, it fucking works. I've done shows with intermissions here. I'm like, I'm begging the person. I'm like, please don't stop the moment. Please, it's <laughs> only going to be an hour and a half anyway. Who cares? Just fucking do it. In London, their system is so good. They what they do is there's no table service. There's no waitresses or anything like that. Everyone's in the room and everyone has their drink and they watch two comics go up. They'll watch a host do 15 to 20. Then they'll watch a, another comic do about 10 minutes. So they watch comedy for 30 to 40 minutes. Then there's a 15-minute intermission. Everybody leaves the room and go get more drinks. They talk about what they just saw. They come back in, and they reset all over again to watch another two to three comics. Then they do it again, intermission, reset, watch another two to three comics. That system is so perfect for stand-up because if you, let's say you go to a show at the comedy store and you watch nine comics go up. Right. By number six, you're exhausted. You want to pee. You can't really think about every single thing they're saying anymore because you're still trying to just like you've just watched so much right but in their system you watch two or three people then you go oh man yeah that second guy joke when he was talking about this thing and then you're like you can talk about it for a few minutes you can get another drink there's no waitresses coming in and interrupting and everyone knows the system so well that what even if you're in the third in, in the third act as they call it over there um and you're like closing the show they are so responsive because they've gotten breaks huh. to just go and chat and go get more drinks and go stop laughing for a couple minutes. And it's fucking beautiful. If we could adopt that system over here, if we could train audiences to do that. See, they are trained over there. But here, it's like it was... It was. Have you ever done one over here? Yeah, a couple times. But it's like... And, and again, like I've begged the person to not do it. <laughs> and they were like, no, it's fine. It's, it's cool. They'll come back. And I'm like, it's fine. It was the first... The only... At first and only time I did it, I was opening for... So, Anthony Davis has been like fucking huge for me. Like he brings me along on the road and shit. I get he's to open super for funny. Him. He's 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 so nice and funny, and he's just like shout out to Anthony Davis. Eat around it available everywhere. His album. Uh, and by the way, whatever you're picturing as Anthony Davis, yeah, uh, it, you yeah. are so wrong. Is the exact opposite of what you are picturing. I promise yeah. you that. <laughs> Weird, but he he brought me along to do to feature form at this show in San Luis Obispo, and we got there. There was like there was like seventy people, seventy five people, and it was great. This guy, uh, Aaron Chase, was opening up, and then the host, and so like so host did all right. Uh, Aaron comes on, and actually before this they had like a local comic go on, and he like ate shit. I was like, oh crap. Uh, and then Aaron goes on, and he like he kills it. He has a great set, and I was like, all right, dope. I have my set list. I put it in my pocket. I'm like, all right, this is gonna be fucking amazing. And then the guy goes out, and he's like, all right, we're gonna take a quick like 15 minute break. I was like, what the what? And I I, I look over to Anthony, and he's just kind of he just shrugs. He's like, I don't I don't know what's going on. And I was like, what the fuck? And like he also like later he was like, I also didn't give a shit because I knew you were gonna go up before me anyway. You know? I was yeah, just of like, course. I was like. <laughs> Fuck, you know, he's like, that's why you're here. I was like, yeah, true. Uh, and so, like, they, it was so weird. And so, like, I just kind of, and it, the the show was weird too because we were on like a like a handicap ramp. We were like performing at the top of a handicap ramp. I was like, what the fuck? And so, like, right when it started, so like, they did have like servers. And so, like, this old man was getting like uh like something. And so, like, I riffed about the intermission. I riffed about something along the lines of like, how is is your oatmeal warm? You know, something like that. And like, they fucking and then they were right back in it. I was like, but I was real scared. I was like, damn, it's gonna be so weird. Well, yeah, because you feel like, like you're going up cold all of a sudden. But it it also like. Because I don't know if that didn't flop, I would have been like, if it flopped, I would be like, ah, shit, you know. But like, and then, but because it worked, I was able to go right into material, and it, the set was fucking fire. It was fucking amazing. And then Anthony went up and just destroyed. The guy fucking, he was fucking crazy. Well, actually, I posted for promotion for his 
uh, his uh, album that came out, I posted this clip that he had no idea that I fucking had. Uh, this heckler that was in the crowd. And whenever, dude, whenever stuff like that happens, I always flip my phone out because I'm like, this is going to be funny in a couple years. Uh, and so I, I recorded this lady, and he just destroyed her. And was, so if you want to go to my Instagram, you can see it. But he, it was, it was freaking insane. Yeah, those intermissions. I mean, they can they can be a killer. I mean, but like I, that's I was so confused when I went to London. Everybody was like, they, I was like, every show does this. They're like every show, even every like, single show, even like headliner. Like when there's only like feature headliner host. I didn't see. I didn't have any shows like that. Like even like even the smallest show I did over there, I think was five people, and they still took a one intermission. Oh shit! They did like three people and then two more. Um and yeah, so I actually I guess I didn't see. I was only there for a week, and I was mostly just doing like guests and feature sets. I didn't actually do an uh, any. I think twenty five was the longest I did over there. Oh, okay. So I didn't really get to see if like obviously like it's different when um you know. If, some Russell Brand was doing an hour and a half or something. <laughs> it's probably a little different. One last thing before we get out of here: who, who like inspired you, like into getting comedy, and who, who, and inspirations changed. But like, who's like your major like comedic inspirations? Um. Uh, it, like who have they? I mean, in the beginning, like I mean, I saw Chappelle when I was fourteen, and that was huge for me. Right. And um, you know, Chappelle's always been one where it's just like a. I mean, that's like the easy like. If if we people right. like, who's your favorite comedian? I'm like. Do you really want to get into this? Like, like so. Chappelle's like the easy one, right? Because that that's the one that everybody will know, right? But like, as far as like being like original and having fun on stage, like Rory Scovel has taught me so much. Kyle Kinane has taught me so much. Um, people like. Um, um, Michelle Buteau and Joan Rivers, Ali Wong. I mean, there's so many people that like do are just like original and fun and that just kind of like do it really their own way. Um, Rory Scovel really early on was a huge inspiration to me because he will just he is not willing to lose on stage. So he will do anything and everything to have a good time for himself. And when you're having a good time, they'll have a good time. Right. So I used to have this mentality of whenever I'd be at a show up to a situation that was terrible, like we're in a hotel lobby and nobody knew a show was going on and like <laughs> yeah. whatever it may be. I always tell myself, I'm like, what would Rory Scovel do? And the answer is he would have fun at all costs, at any means necessary. And then every time I do that, I win. Like I will, I will watch people eat it, eat it, eat it, because they're like, "This sucks, God, nobody's here for the show. It's terrible. There's just people. There's a one family eating ribs over there. What do I do?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Play. You fucking play." So you know, I don't, I don't show up anywhere thinking I'm going to bomb. I think, I think I can win every single set. And I, I look at, and it doesn't matter how small the audience is. Every set matters to me. Right. If I'm in front of two people or a thousand, I'm giving them that same energy, no matter what. I will never get upset with an audience for not being bigger. It's one of my least. We'll be like, God, well, you, you, I'm glad you guys are here, but where the fuck? Good. Be glad they are here. Mm -hmm. They didn't not tell. They didn't tell everyone to not come. You know, right? So just enjoy it. Have fun either way. That's that. That's something that really does bug me when I, because you know, you'll be in the back and people will fucking complain about that. I'm like, dude, what? Go, just go home then, dude. Like, if you're just gonna go up there and like ruin it for then, there's people going on after you. You're not the fucking headliner, and it's just yeah. But you know who I think that inspires me that or inspired me to get into comedy and all that stuff that I think he's mad underrated is is Tosh. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, I don't, you think Tosh is underrated? I think I mean, he's very underrated. Whenever someone's like, oh, who's your favorite comedian? And I'll say, you know, like this, this, and Tosh. They're like, oh, Tosh, you know, like because they just see him on TV. But like, guess, his stand-up is so good. I guess because Tosh.0, they, that's what they think of him. Right. Because he doesn't put out a special in a while. But, yeah, I mean, his joke writing was 
masterful. I mean, he really, I mean, he was at that like kind of like Jesselneck style level where you, you, it's a bait and switch style, but you still can't predict it what's coming necessarily. Right. And I think that kind of writing is just, you know, it's on point, it's funny, it's topical, yet also evergreen in the, in the same way. I mean, Tosh got to where he is for a reason. You know, right. everyone, when you get to that level, people will shit on you all they want because obviously they're going to shit on you when you're at the top. Of course they're going to shit right. on you. And that's just something that you need to deal with. I've learned that, you know, I've, I've talked to Dane Cook about that stuff, about like what it's like to be all the way selling out Madison Square Garden and having your peers turn on you because all of a sudden you're a fucking sellout, dude. It's like, what? Like, of course, they're going to, everyone, as soon as you get to a certain level, they're going to lift you up, lift you up, lift you up. And and then you get to the top and they go, get the fuck back down here. And they're going to try to drag you down. And hopefully, you know, you are strong enough in your own morality and your own sense of self that you can get through that. And you know who's on your team and you know who's just being a dick that just doesn't want things for other people. And I think in comedy, the longer you stay in it, one thing is people think it's like this, we're in this like doggy dog world of like right. there's not enough room for all of us. Fuck that, dude. Yes, there fucking is. And there's especially room for people that take care of their friends. You know what I mean? I'm not worried about having a successful career in comedy because even if I, for some reason, couldn't get an opportunity, like, every, like everything I've tried to do, I can't get on this show, I can't get cast by these people, I can't get in this club. Well, guess what? I have a million friends who are going to succeed in ways that I'm not succeeding that are going to need somebody to bring them along for writing on their show, acting on their show, opening for them in this theater, whatever it may be. The fact is, if you're a good person and you, you're somebody people want to be around, you're going to be fine. And right. I mean, obviously, as long as you are somewhat funny, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to. But the thing is, you got to do all this stuff on your own. You got to make it there on your own. And then you're a lot more willing to uh, people are a lot more willing to help you. I saw a Chris Rock quote yesterday about like, if you are on the side of the road, don't. Did you see this quote? I did see it. Yeah. So basically, and the quote is, if you're on the side of the road, don't stand there and try to flag somebody down. Start trying to push your car because people are going to be a lot more willing to help the person that's willing to help themselves. Not just going, excuse me, please. I'm stranded. You're going to push and they're going to be like, that guy needs help pushing his car. Let's go help that guy. Right. Oh, I 100%. Comedy, I, that's comedy. I dude. screenshotted that. Yeah, that was that was really good. Uh, actually, that reminded me of one last thing. Uh, what is your definition of making it? Because everybody has a different definition, and the one that it, like kind of annoys me is one where people are like, "Did people think that to you know, quote unquote, make it? You have to be like the guy. You have to be you know, Chappelle or like blah blah blah." No, I think I mean I can answer this very simply. In my opinion, if you are living off comedy then you have 100% made it like I've always like my whole thing is I've never felt like I truly hit even though I felt successful and I felt like I was doing very good things I still never felt like I actually was fully there because when I had to go back and work at Universal I'd be I could go I'd headline clubs on the road I'm flying out to Florida to go play this club for three nights and they're paying me a good amount of money and I'm the headliner and all that when I'm there I'm making it as soon as I get back and I gotta go back to work Suddenly, I don't feel like I've made it as much, right? Right. But to me, like, as long as you're, if you're having fun and you're living a life that you are proud of and happy about and you're spreading joy and making people laugh, 
then you are successful. But to me, truly making it means that you you get to go wherever you you get to do what you want to do. You get to pick the projects that you want to do that you want to be a part of. That you don't have to really listen to a bunch of people telling you where to go and what to say. You get to do things on your own level. But really, if you're if you're finding a way to succeed in comedy and you're getting paid to do comedy, whatever that may mean, then you fucking won, dude. Yeah, I 100% agree. You win. And that's, I think, what any of us are trying to get to. And, you know, they say usually 10 years. Maybe it'll take longer. Maybe it'll be shorter. But no matter what, what are you going to do? Quit? For real. Well, man, dude, this episode's been fucking amazing. Thanks for being on. I I always leave the final minute of the podcast to the guests to say whatever, do whatever, plug whatever, ask whatever, and this next minute, it's all you, man. Look, uh, you can go to my website if you want to see my stuff, hoopercomedy.com. But more so, I want to tell you to just go do what makes you happy. If you're a person that's listening to this podcast and you have made it through these last two hours or whatever we've been talking and you're still here, if there's something that you want in your life, there is nothing stopping you from getting it. So go out there and don't make excuses and do it for the right reasons. And I promise you, you will 100% find your way into carving a path in this world and you will do things that will amaze you and excite you and excite Cite the people around you. And if you live a life that is amazing and phenomenal, then you will inspire others to do the same and you will lift up everyone around you. And suddenly you will be surrounded by an incredible group of humans that you are going to spend the rest of your life with. And I want that for every single person that's listening to this. Fuck yeah. Alex Superman, thank you for doing it. Thank you, Galen Ash.